Dasa for Deborah Court. It's a delight to welcome you back to this episode of Book by Book Bible Study. We are on the Book of Acts and we're delving into Acts chapter 11. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of your word. We ask that as we read, we would learn, we would grow, your lives will be illuminated in our hearts. We'll get what it is you want us to know. More than that, we'll receive the wisdom to put these things to work and actually show forth your kindness. And let your light, your character, your life show through us in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 10 was about God setting up Cornelius and Peter together and, you know, throwing the Holy Spirit in the mix and bringing the first set of Gentiles to the church. So let's go Acts 11 from verse 1. Soon the news reached the apostles and other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, the Jewish believers criticized him. Wow. You entered the home of Gentiles and even ate with them, they said. Then Peter told them exactly what had happened. I was in the town of Joppa, he said, and while I was praying, I went in a trance and saw a vision. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners from the sky and it came right down to me. When I looked inside the sheet, I saw all sorts of tame and wild animals, reptiles and birds, and I heard a voice say, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, I replied. I've never eaten anything our Jewish laws have declared impure and clean. But the voice from heaven spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. It happened three times before the sheet and all it contained was pulled back up to heaven. Just then, three men... Okay, so by the time we reach here, <coughs> we start to see that the initial vision that God sent to Peter apparently was not just for Peter's sake. It was for all of them. Because this manner of this level of protest over some people coming to christ was just funny but let's keep reading <clears throat> verse 11 just then three men who had been sent from caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying the holy spirit told me to go with them and not to worry that they were gentiles these six brothers here accompanied me and we soon entered the home of the man who had sent for us. So when Peter left Joppa to go to Cornelius' house, he went with six brothers, right? From verse 13, he told us how an angel appeared to him in his home and I told him, send messages to Japan. Someone, a man named Simon Peter, he will tell you how everyone, you and everyone in your household can be saved. As I began to speak, Peter continued, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us from the beginning. Then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? When the others heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. They said, we can see that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. I've got a few thoughts on this one. Racism is very real. Just saying. But how is it that you think that some people should not get the gift of eternal life simply because they were not born into a specific 
set of families. For some of us, it's not this blatant. It's not this blatant. It's not this, um, you don't deserve to go to heaven because you were born in Gentile. As if, now, it's one thing if we had the, you know, power and desire to choose the family or the tribe or the race or whatever we're born into. But, For some of us, it's overt, it's covert, rather. You think because somebody has a certain skin color or they're born to a certain tribe, they should not have the privilege that you do. Or you're not willing to do something or take something or step into certain situations because you think it's, you are bigger than it because you have a certain skin color, belong to a certain family, or it's, it's weird. And I just wanted to use this opportunity to remind you that when Jesus sent, when God sent His Son to die for the world, He died for everybody. If nothing else, if you, if there is no other proof throughout Scripture, like you read from Genesis to Revelation, you don't find any other proof. That is your proof that all men are equal in the sight of God, and it is sin to treat others as less than you. For the sole purpose of the family, tribe, or whatever that they were born to. There's no there's no missing words about it or two ways to describe it. Your soul has the same value in God's eyes as their soul. They are human beings, regardless of their age, their complexion, their gender their race, their tribe, their country, their nationality, their wealth status, what they own, what they don't own, the level of their wisdom, the growth and maturity they possess. Soul is a soul. You would be fond of some than others. You would prefer some to others, but they're not worthless because you don't like them. I'll say that again. People are not worthless because you don't like them. And your affinity and um, affection for somebody does not confer some special power or privilege. A person is a person. And if you go through scripture, you will see it in various forms and words. God is no respecter of persons. So even if you don't like a person, you need to love them the way Christ loved all men. There's a reason God told you to love your neighbor as yourself. And even if you don't like a person, you need to share your light, shine your light, and make sure that they have that opportunity to see God in you. It's a command. Go into all the world and make disciples of all men. He did not tell you, make disciples of those you like and leave those you don't like to perish in hell. Let's go on. From verse 19. Meanwhile, the believers who had been scattered during the persecution after Stephen's death traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, but only to Jews. Racism, you know. <laughs> However, some of the believers who went from Antioch to 
who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene, began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. When the church in Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw this evidence of God's blessing, he was filled with joy and encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went on to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds of people. It was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. Imagine, it was at Antioch, the mixed church, the church that had both Jews and Gentiles. It was there that it was so evident who these people were following. Christian means Christ-like. So they were so much like the Christ, like Jesus, that people knew that people began to call them Christ-like. Wow. Verse 27. During this time, some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up in one of the meetings and predicted by the Spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world. This prophecy was fulfilled during the reign of Claudius. So the believers from Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea, giving everyone giving as much as they could. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. Praise God. In case you skipped you, there's a principle of giving right there. Everyone giving as much as they could. It was not a levy. There was no mandate. There was no mandate that everybody should give a certain amount. It is always to give as much as you can. As you are led. It's between you and God. And yes sometimes the church is trying to meet a certain goal maybe for an outreach or to help um, a certain group of people and have a target and all of that and maybe your leader is making suggestions and saying things like oh if 10 people give so and so amount we can match this thing but let me beg you unless you have conviction to give that amount or maybe double it triple or whatever if you can't give up to that amount, what you give is not endless. If we remember the story of the widow in the temple, she gave two farthings or a mite. And Jesus said what she gave was bigger than all of the others that were given bags of gold. Why? She gave from her heart. She gave as much as she could. And she didn't give it for sure. So, bring her over. It's less about making a statement and more about supporting the work that is being done and helping the people that are dear to God's heart. You meet another human being, they are dear to God's heart. And so, as much as you can, give of your time, give of your resources, give as you will, give as you can, but don't give to impress and don't give to make a statement. Don't give to um, rob your ego and don't give to satisfy religious um, sentiments so that you will be able to say, I gave too. That's not the point of giving. 
God bless you so you can bless others. Amen. Have a beautiful day ahead.